All right, you can have a seat. How are we doing today? All right, that's what we hear. Very good. All right. So I want to start off as we look at the word today um, in 2 Timothy with a simple question. It's also the title of my sermon, just so I would remember the question. Um, and, and it's a question, why suffer? Why do we suffer through anything? And I'm not talking about stuff that's beyond your control. we got plenty of that, right? Like whether you want to or not, you're going to suffer through that, whatever that is. I'm talking about the things that you could give up. Right? You could stop, or you could decide not to do that, but you choose to anyway, even though there's pain involved. Or maybe a, a, a common example that a lot of us can relate to is, is that. Anybody ever have or have now braces? Go ahead, raise your hand. Don't be like Baptist. Come on, let's go. Come on. Here we go. Right? So, so what you decided was the discomfort, the pain, uh, not being able to eat certain foods, looking a certain way, didn't really like part of the name calling at times, right, if you were a kid. And you, it cost you a lot of money, or your parents a lot of money, right? And yet you decided to suffer through that. So why? And probably, unlike me, as you can see, I needed braces and never did it. Still got dentists, 48 years old, that were like, you should do, no, 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 no. I, I convinced Heather to marry me. We're good, all right? And, and, and yet you decided it was worth it. To suffer through that. That simple, right? Um, maybe this can relate to some of you. How many relate to her trying to work out? Like, oh, man, right? Whether it's on the bike or the, you're trying to run or it's just simply trying to go to the salad bar rather than the Sunday bar. It's a sacrifice, right? And some of you are like, yeah, nope, I'm good. I'm good. Guess is how God made me, and I'm good, right? But others are like, no, I'm going to get up at 5 in the morning and go for that run. Or I'm going I'm to suffer through that pain because it's worth it. And maybe the best, I think the best example, and this is also a very pastorly loving thing to do for uh, kids and men in our life. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. Do not forget, all right? Moms, no idea how you do it. It starts with nausea. It goes to bloating. Your bladder will never be the same, which I've been told over and over again, right? And, and, and then, like, like you, you, you basically, your body's never the same. You can't sleep. Then childbirth and all of that suffering is before the kid arrives, let alone once the kid does arrive, right? That's when dads start to partake in the suffering of children. And I remember, as I've told you before, the first child I was ever allowed to hold was my own because of my clumsiness. And so I held Nathan in my hands. I don't hold him anymore. He's 20, so we don't do that. Um, but I held him, and I remember thinking, dear God, what have we done? Right? Suffering. And yet what I have, three years later, we decided to do it again. Some of y'all have done it over and over again, right? Why? Because you've decided Yes, you have decided that those kids are worth it, that the outcome is worth the pain and suffering that, that comes from it. And so why do we suffer, right? That's the question. And, and why do we press on through that suffering of anything in life? And it's because we decide it's worth it. And, and we're going to see, right, let, Paul's going to talk to Timothy, and he's going to say, Timothy, he's just going to say, don't get nervous, Ralph. It's okay. All right. I might preach from here. I like this. This is good. 
I'm doing this to get your attention because I, I want you, this is a subject that like you don't as a pastor say, you know what I'm going to preach on? Suffering. That's going to be a good, you know, beautiful Sunday morning, right? That's why we go through whole sections of scripture because you get to a passage, you're like, okay, right? Because God's word is good for your soul, whether or not it's the more convicting kind or comforting kind. But in this case, it's just motivating. You are going to suffer if you're actually living for Christ. And what Paul's going to say to Timothy, expect it and press on through it. Do not be ashamed. Why? Because it's worth it. Because he's worth it. Because it's worth it in the end. So that's what we'll talk about, all right? I am going to get down pray that I don't sprain my ankle, all right? Lord, we're thankful that you um, have brought us together to worship. We're thankful for our worship team and the many gifts and skills to lead us in song for for our elder, Greg, who, who faithfully led us through the Lord's Supper, through, for just, Lord, all of those who greeted and prepared and taught our kids and took care of our babies and the technology and, Lord, so many other things that we can gather together and worship you together as one body. Lord, I pray that this time would just be an extension of all of that for us and that you would do a great work through your Holy Spirit, through your truth, that is a beautiful truth that our, soul, that our souls, our hearts, our minds desperately need, whether we know it or not. We ask this in Jesus' holy and precious name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, so um, I want to uh, kind of set the, the stage for you again. And if you're, you want to follow along, turn on or open your Bibles, we Simply picking up where we left off last weekend, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. I'll put it on the screen, but if you want to follow along, that's where we are. So let me, let me set the tone again, right? So the writer of this letter, as you probably know, but maybe not, is the Apostle Paul, who is literally in chains. He's dictating this letter, um, and as he often did anyway, but he's, he describes himself in chains. Well, the physical chains are not only, but he's in a prison, right? A, like the gloomiest place you can imagine, a Roman prison cell, this is a bad place. It's suffering. He's lonely. Most of his friends have left him because it's a shameful thing or it's a scary thing to be his friend right now. I don't know if you've ever faced anything like that or even close to it. But it's not easy. And he's in chains. He's in this, right? And, he, and he's writing this letter to Timothy, who he's so fond of and close to, but also a protege of his. Timothy's also in chains, but they're not physical chains. They're chains that maybe you are also experiencing. And they're because of the ministries he's doing at Ephesus, which if you want a good background, read 1 Timothy. Uh, we're not going through that, but if you, sometime you're looking to read something, read through 1 Timothy because in there, Timothy's, uh, Paul's really dealing head on with what Timothy's dealing with. The false teachers and the things, it's very frustrating. It's very hard. And there's got to be times where Timothy's just like, forget it. Why am I doing this? These people, they deserve what they get, right? Like, I don't know if Timothy did that or not. I'm just telling you what I would probably say, right? And so he's sort of in a chains as well. And so Paul's writing this letter, and he's encouraging him. And, and, and he's encouraged him so far to say, Timothy, because you have sincere faith, you are in Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so you have gifts, and you have abilities, and you have a mission. And he's, remember last weekend, Fan it into flames. Stoke the embers, right? Get going for the mission. But now he's going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. This section is filled with these two words. 
Not words that you usually choose uh, in life. Suffering and shame. Suffering and shame. And he says, because this is, this is true, therefore, Timothy, do not be ashamed of what? Two things. Do not be ashamed, Timothy, of the testimony, right? The, the story of the gospel about our Lord. Secondly, Timothy, don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. And I love that, right? He's not calling himself a prisoner of Rome. He knows. If the Lord wants to open the doors, he will. He's done it before. He'll do it again if he wants to. He doesn't think it's going to happen, but he can. He says, I'm here because Jesus wants me here. He'll free me if he wants me to free me. He'll, like, I'm his prisoner. It's a good way to look at it, and that's how Paul looked at it. And so he says, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of it. Now, why would you be? Well, think about it. You've experienced this, and their day was even more. Like, like, so you're telling us, Timothy, that, that uh, your God uh, died on this gruesome, accursed, horrible cross of the Romans, and then you're claiming he rose three days later, which is being professed by a bunch of ridiculous Galilean fishermen. And this story of the gospel is that I am a wicked sinner before God, and I need his grace. It's a story that gets mocked. Some try to reshape it to make it more man-centered and make it more palatable, more popular to hear, right? And that was happening then. It happens now. And so Paul's just like, Timothy, don't be ashamed of the truth. Don't be ashamed of our Lord and what he's done. Don't ever be ashamed. That doesn't mean Timothy is. It just means the temptation's always there. When everyone's ridiculing you and opposing you and coming against you. And he says, and don't be ashamed of me, which of course is not, oh sure, you're, you're, you're one of your great leaders is in chains. How great is that, right? And he says, do not worry about it. This is exactly where the Lord wants me. And he says, instead, he says, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Share in it, okay? So this is a kind of an interesting um, word. It, it, it means something kind of specific. It, it, in fact, I'm going to need some help. Paul, why don't you put your notebook down and come on up here and help me for a sec. Come on. This isn't a question. Like, do it. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You're going to be really, really good at this. Come on. You not have to do any tricks. Okay? This is no longer Paul. All right? This is now suffering. Okay? You are suffering. Justin, he plays a good suffering, doesn't he? All right, so suffering's here. I'm playing the role of Timothy or Jamie or really anyone who's a Christian. And, and, and now suffering, we always know it's there. Like suffering is in the room, but we kind of want to be like, I don't want to look at you suffering. I don't want to talk to you suffering. I don't even, even want to acknowledge your neuron. In fact, what we really want to do is take suffering, turn him into the corner like he's a bad boy. You stay there, Right? And, and so that's kind of how, like, maybe to, how we want to approach it. But what Paul's saying is, right, you have to stay there for the whole sermon, by the way. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He says, share in suffering. You know what that actually means? Oh, you're going to love this part, right? It means embrace. That was terrible. Come on, man. Oh, much better. Let's hear it for suffering. I mean, Paul. He did a great job, right? I want you to see that because he's saying to me, now he's not saying be a masochist and go, try to find places to suffer, right? People have done that. It's weird. He's saying expect it, right? And, and when you are suffering, now this is, remember, 
Uh, when we say expect suffering, this is not talking about the general sufferings of the world. Those are the griefs of life that anyone, whether a Christian or not, are going to experience because it's a broken world. This is the sufferings that come specifically from following Jesus Christ. Right? Specifically because of that. And any ministry he's called you to, and any kind of life that he has called you to, that these sufferings are going to come. To expect it and to actually embrace it because it means something good is happening. Right? Jesus said him, 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 himself, right? Like, this is something we tend to skip over, right? We have this easy believism that's gone on in churches where it's just like, just pray a prayer and everything will work out. Angels are going to sprinkle fairy dust, dust on you. That's just not biblical. Jesus said, very specifically, he said, count the cost. I want you to follow me, but count the cost. And we don't, I, I, it, there's bound to be someone or someone's in this room and you're not yet a Christian and I am, th- with every breath I have, I want you to be a Christian. I do. But I also have to tell you, count the cost because there is one. At least in this life. It is. There is going to be suffering. Jesus had, he was a real popular guy for a while. Remember that? I mean, he was healing everyone. He fed thousands of people. Remember the little Hebrew happy meal that the kid had and he fed all those people? Right? And, he, and, he, and, he, and, and man, all the people are like, this Jesus is cool. He heals, seems like a decent guy, and he feeds me lunch. Right? Jesus turns around and he says to them a really, really, really hard saying. And almost all of them say, no, I can't do that. And they leave. There's a few that stayed, remember? And Jesus said, are you going to go? And, I, and it was Peter who said, Lord, where would I go? Where would we go? And Peter didn't know. And what was facing him was suffering, was right to the, to the point of death, hurt, and, and, and trying to follow. But, but where else am I going to go? Count the cost. Jesus said it all the time. Count the cost. Because there is. We will need to stand upon truth and positions that, that, that get mockery. I, I just need to tell you, because sometimes Christians need to hear this, you aren't going to be cool. And I'm not talking to our students. I'm talking to our adults. We don't, this never changes. Somehow, we want to follow Christ and still sit at the cool guy's table, and it's not possible. I'm not saying you never will. There will be times. But for the most part, you're weird. You're different. You just are. And if nobody's seeing you that way, then guess what? Bad sign. Bad sign. Because, because we're called to a different life. It's like salmon swimming upstream. There's going to be suffering. You're constantly bumping in. To, because Jesus said, hey, there is two roads. One has most people on it. Wide is the road to destruction. That's the, that's the fun road, right? Woo, look at everyone's just, we're all, right? Over here, narrow. Few find it, he says. But it's the path to life. And it's a hard path at times. It can be a lonely path. Paul and Timothy are experiencing it. Maybe you are. I'm trying to follow the Lord. And it just feels like I, 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 I no longer get invited to, the, to that party. I no, I no longer get asked. To, I know because it can be hard. He's saying his whole thing is do not be ashamed. Press on through it. We need to expect it. But here's why we do it. Just like I started with that question, why suffer? Because it's worth it. Paul's going to tell us why, right? In verse 8, remember, he's, he's, he's finishing a sentence, and it's important. I'll remind you, he said, 
but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us. We talked about that. Greg talked about that with the Lord's Supper. Who saved us. Well, watch this. And he called us. Right? He's called us to a holy calling. That means a set-apartness. You're not just saved and forgiven and you just go on living your life. You're actually called to that path. You're called to that place that looks and, and follows Jesus. And Jesus said, they hated me. What do you think they're going to think of you? Like, you're trying, if you're truly following Christ, to be more and more like Jesus. Jesus did it so much better than you'll ever do it, and they ridiculed and killed him. What do you think they're going to do to you? And that's a holy calling, but this is what I really want to say. He says, not because of our works, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which, this is mind-blowing. He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Think about it. God poured his love and grace upon you long before you were even you. Before you breathed the breath. Before you could make a mess of your life. Before you could, he knew it all. And he says, I'm calling you to salvation. And so what this means, it's deeply humbling. It means you had not one single percentage to do with your salvation. It's not 99% God, 1% you. It's not 80, 20, 75. It's Hundred zero. Now, believers, we tend to celebrate this. Like, this is amazing. But this is a hard thing for someone. What, me? I, I'm not. Like, you're saying that I, have, I can't save myself? Exactly. I'm saying you didn't. But it's also a beautiful thing. You also can't lose what you never gained in the first place. Before the ages began, he said, I want to save you. You're going to need it desperately, and I want to do it. But Paul goes on, and he says, but that whole grace before the ages, it had to appear. It had to take on flesh. He says, and which now has been manifested, has shown itself through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So he's saying, that, that yes, before the ages began, God said, I'm going to save you. But now there has to be a means for that salvation. And that comes through his own son, Jesus, who took on flesh. He lives a perfect life. He never sins. And yet he dies a sinner's death in our place. He takes all of that punishment and, and all of that judgment. He takes it. He absorbs it all. He drinks it all down. All of it, right? And out of his love and grace, he does that for you. And so what that means is death is dead. And I know if you've been a Christian a long time, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about it. What that means. Death is a punishment from God because of sin. So if Jesus paid for all of your sins, you don't die. Now, you will probably, unless the Lord comes back first, cease to breathe and your heart will cease to beat. But the next second, you go into the life of immortality with Christ. Like Paul said it. Remember what Paul said? He said, he said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Gain? Yes, because he crushed death. He crushed it. And you get life. And life that goes on and on and on. It gets better and better and better and better. This is what's awaiting you. This is why the suffering here is worth it. I want you to imagine we clear this table. And I give you two options. We're, we're looking at them. You get to choose. You're going to live 50 more years. Some of you are like, 
Oh my gosh, 50 more years, I don't need that, right? Some of you were like, that's it? Kind of depends on your age. You get 50, all right? And over here is you get to choose a life of relative ease and comfort, satisfaction, and it's good, and you're kind of, everything goes pretty well. Not perfect, it's life, right? But, but pretty well, 50 years. Over here, you get to choose the path of hindrance and suffering, opposition. There's pain in the way you choose to live your life for 50 years. Now, right now, it's a pretty easy choice, right? It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm good, right? Who would want to be here for no reason? But after the 50 years, here, you die. You don't just cease to breathe. You actually have spiritual death, which is eternal separation from God, which means all that is good and right, all even the common graces that the deepest atheist experiences in this life are gone there is no parties in hell like you hear people say. You get that. Or 50 years of suffering and you stop breathing and into life you go. Which do you choose? So what, what Paul's saying is it's worth it. It's worth it. Oh, is it worth it? Two trillion years from now, you're going to be looking back and going, I never understood how worth it it was. Because life it's what he gives you. It's worth it. He, he, he says, it's this life, right, that, that I was called for. He says in verse 11, for which I was appointed a preacher, apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Right? It's why I'm suffering. I was called by God. Now, you too were called to two of these things. Not apostle. That was Paul. Some other apostles. They were given this message of Jesus. Preserve it and give it to us. That's in our New Testament. Okay? The other two? Preacher? You're like, I ain't no preacher. That just means to exhort. You might not be preaching up here like I am. It just means to tell your story. To tell your story of who God is and what your redemption is and who Jesus is. That's going to come with a cost. You already know that. Social cost, physical cost. I don't know. It will. But he said exhort and also teach, which means what are the implications of that? What comes out of the gospel that we need to teach people? Right? And, 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 and that's, Paul says, I was called, but I would just remind you that you were too, if you're a Christian. And he says, why is it worth it? But I am not ashamed. Even in the chains, even in prison, I'm not ashamed. For why? I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. This is why following Christ is different than any other religion, any other philosophy. We do not have a what we believe in. We have a who. He says, the reason, chains, everyone can abandon me. Everyone, all, I will not be ashamed because I know whom I have believed in, and he will carry me to the end. He can be trusted. Even in the most dire suffering circumstances for his name, he can be trusted. He will carry me through. So I will press on. And the same is true for us. We know whom we have believed in. And therefore, we too expect suffering, but then trust God through the suffering. Think about just in this, this, this outline um, of what Paul told us about salvation. First, God's grace started ages ago, long before you were you. And again, think about what that means. It means that you, right, are 100% saved purely by his grace. And that's sometimes humbling because I didn't do anything. No, and therefore you cannot lose what he has gained. 
I'm not talking about fake Christians. I'm talking about real, genuine, and faith Christians who have the Spirit. He will carry you to the end despite what you're going through now. But it also means this. If you're not yet, and here's what, 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 what's keeping you, is that, is that we say this all the time, and we will continue to say this all the time. If you're just like, there's just this mess in my life, and there's no way. There's no way. This means that he knew it ages before you even were what you were going to do, and he saved you anyway. You cannot out-sin the cross. There is no sin too big for what he did for you. There is no shame too big for the salvation found in Jesus. So you can come. So the second thing, though, it had to appear, and it appeared in Jesus. Right? He, he, he appeared. That's a big biblical word, appeared. He's going to appear twice. One, Advent, Christmas. His life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. His second, hopefully today. Right? Come, Lord Jesus, come. We wait. We wait, and we suffer, and we wait, but we know, and we cling, and we trust. He appeared, and what he did was he crushed death. Death, where is your sting? It's gone. That's why I've done so many funerals, memorial services, many for those. I mean, I can never, I'm not God. I don't know someone's heart, someone's faith, but you kind of know that person really didn't know the Lord. And they're sad. It's like this is an end to something. I've done some, stood up here, still weeping, still missing, but celebrating. Because we know that man, that woman, that they went into glory. And we know that they are in life immortal. Death is dead. But then remember, there's a third, what, Paul, what Paul's teaching is there's a personal call. This isn't a general sort of thing that you get to experience. You are saved 100% by grace, but it also has to be through faith. The call for you and me is to believe, to believe, to trust in that name above all names. But then fourthly, it's not just a call to salvation, and this is usually where the suffering comes in, right? Getting saved and knowing we're going to heaven. It's not a lot of suffering there. It's the call to holiness, right? The set-apartness. Now I'm different. Now I'm not invited to the cool party anymore. And I'm not, I, I'm kicked out of that group. I lose that job. I, that, like now, right? And now it's, it's, he's making me more and more like him. That's called sanctification, and it's a process until you die or he comes again. And that's what you're called to. And then lastly, when you are called to that, when you die, you will live. You will live. So I implore you, if you're a Christian, we all have this temptation. I have it every day. And that is, I don't want to forsake Christ, so I'm going to keep one foot in the kingdom one foot in the world, and I'm somehow going to look cool. Do I look cool to you? Don't answer that. A rhetorical question. Right? And, and, and it's a t you just get torn in two trying to do it. you got to choose one, man. The, the happy partying road to destruction or the difficult path that is going to lead to life. I implore you, don't try to put on the cool face. And I'm not talking to students here. I'm talking to adults, right? We... we uh, well, we just have our adult version of that. Go where that road takes you. Expect it to mean suffering. Expect it. But here's the thing. We seek Christ because he is better. Infinitely better. 
If someone won't date you or marry you because you follow Christ, so be it. If someone doesn't invite you to that party, to that dinner, because you follow Christ, so be it. If someone if, uh, fires you from that job or doesn't hire you because you follow, not because you're a jerk online, right? But because you're following Christ, so be it. If you get thrown in prison for following Christ, so be it. If you face death because of following Christ, there's people all over the world who face that right now. And maybe you will. I don't know. So be it. Just like so many have come before us and so many who come after, we, like the hymn says, we turn our eyes upon Jesus. We look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's the job, is to walk through it and trust him through suffering. Now, this is how this thought closes. This is the last two verses. You don't just sit there and endure it. You press on in something. You are entrusted. He already said, I've been entrusted, right? So look what he says. He says, Timothy, here's what you do. Why are you doing that? Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me, okay? In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, you, you do this, 14, by the Holy Spirit, who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. That's the job. As we press on, as we endure, right, is that we are entrusted with something, and we do it first by following the pattern. That's an interesting Greek word, okay? I actually have here, um, this is an architecture, like, you know, an architect made a blueprint, right? And actually, when we did the Commons Project, uh, that was the first thing we really had to do, was hire an architect. I had all kinds of thoughts. Let's tear down this wall. Let's do this. We're like, mm, we need to bring someone who knows what they're talking about, because this whole building could come down, right? And so we did. We hired a great architect. His name's Jesse, and he, he did blueprints for us, and here's what we did. And then he's, he's done, right? We got to find a builder who could do all kinds of things. He could do the furniture here, put this, fixtures, lighting, all kinds of cool stuff, and you could do it many different ways as long as you what? Follow the blueprint. Don't stray from it. And so what Paul is saying, Timothy's different than Paul. He's different than me, different than you. Our lives are built differently. We design them differently. God has given us a different design, right? And so how you share your story, what ministry God gives you, who your family is, where you are, it's going to be different just like your house is different than mine, right? But here's what he's saying. Do not stray from the blueprint, the teachings of the Word of God. Don't do it. Because you're always going to want to make it more, tempted to make it more palatable, right? To make it easier, to make it cooler, to make it nicer, instead of just be truthful about what the truth is. And so your job is based on this blueprint, is to take what's been entrusted to you, right? Now, what does that mean? Well, it's a deposit. I like depositing money into the bank. Anybody else? Sometimes there's not enough to deposit, Right? Now, they didn't have banks and safe, depo safe deposit boxes um, the way we might have today. Um, so, imagine this is something really valuable. Pirate's chest, right? But so, so, what they would have to do. So, so imagine, they, they have to um, go on a long journey, but they're going to return. And they have something super valuable. 
And they, they don't want to bring it with them. It's going to get stolen. They could lose it. So they got to leave it with someone, right? And they got to be like, all right, who am I going to leave this with? They're going to watch over this. And I'm looking around. I'm like, Eric, no, I don't think so, right? Like, Rochelle, oh, Rochelle, yes, I trust her, right? And so I'm like, I know that she's going to take care of that thing, right? And, or she's going to die trying. Well, maybe not, but we're going to try it. Now, Jesus took that whole idea and he advanced on it, right, with the parable of the talents. He said, not only do you take care of what God's entrusted to you, but you invest it. And it grows. And so Paul had entrusted to him by Jesus the gospel, and he entrusted it uh, in, into Timothy. And Timothy's entrusting it into people in Ephesus. And then they were entrusted it to someone, to, to someone, to someone, to someone, to eventually this moron college student named Jamie was given it to him. And now, that's what I'm doing right now. And that's what you're doing to your kids or your grandkids or your children's ministry or that coworker you're praying for or that, that you press on despite what the suffering, despite not being called the cool kid anymore. You press on with the gospel that Jesus has entrusted you with. It means in suffering. It means hurt. It means awesome things too, by the way. Paul didn't just have a suffering life. He had some great times too. But in the end, it is worth it. And that's the point. The suffering is worth it. Not only because God will use you in this life, but because you walk into life immortal when you cease to be here. Or if he comes again. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's pray. Lord, I, I do pray for my um, brothers and sisters in the room who are suffering for the gospel. Even little sufferings that the enemy comes against them. Lord, you know what those are. Maybe they feel like an outcast in their own home or their own family, their school, their campus. And Lord, I pray you'd give them a supernatural comfort and strength that they would leave here with those words, I will not be ashamed of the gospel. Give us courage. But Lord, for those of us who are in, in Christ, but quite frankly, right now, we got at least one foot on the wrong path. Bring conviction and your amazing gentleness and grace. And Father, give us forgiveness. Bring us to a spirit of repentance. Open our eyes to it. And Lord, that we would just be done with trying to live a double life and we would just say, you are worth it. I'm reminded, Lord, that in Paul's words, he said, this is done by the power of God. And so may we rely completely and humbly on you. Lastly, Lord, I, I thank you for your grace, for your salvation. And I would ask for anyone who's here and um, they've never trusted in faith, you already called them before the ages, so give them the faith to believe today, to just say yes to Jesus, to be done with themselves in this world and say, Jesus, you are worth it. You saved me. I'm following you. Give them the faith, Lord, to believe so that we might celebrate with the angels in heaven over yet another sinner saved by grace. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. If you're able to, please stand with me and let's worship together.